Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Life Gives You Hate podcast. This is episode 36, and I'm Ross Lipschultz. I'll be one of your haters-in-chief this week, and alongside me, as always, is uh, our friend from the Pacific Northwest who's settling in quite nicely, Jihan Batum. And Jihan, how's it going out there? Well, as you said, I'm settling in quite nicely. Well, I, I mean, I figured you'd give us some more details. This is kind of, you kind of left me out to dry here. Uh, on the record, I'm settling in quite, quite nicely. Oh, okay. What about off the record? Pretty nicely. Oh, okay. Wow, that was really different. You've really added a lot of value. I really, I wanted to color it in as much as I could. You really have. You're really good. You've always been good at coloring in between the lines. You're like a Thank you. professional five-year-old. Oh, geez. That, that means a lot. Well, um, I'm sure your clients it, will be thrilled. Yeah. It's it's hot as shit here. Oh. Um, but otherwise, it's been uh, pretty good. I haven't been here quite a month yet, but it's getting there. That's great, man. Congrats. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's get started. Let's go to the haters of the week, uh, as we always do. Hit me up with your uh, hater of the week this week. So this is kind of an easy one, but it's a Norwegian anti-immigrant group called Fatherland First. Already already starting off bad. When someone says anything hood first, it's never good. Well, Fatherland First. Oh, father- Even worse. <laughs> yeah, like all my Nazi red flags are up yeah. right now. But yeah, so this group Fatherland First had to shut down their Facebook page because they posted a picture of empty bus seats, which all of their members, for some reason, thought were women in burkas. Sure. Yeah. Because bus seats are human. Yeah. And I mean, we could we could uh, post the picture so that our fans see it, because it does sound silly to think that bus seats look like women in burkas. But, you know, if you look at the picture, it kind of, you know, if you half glance at it, sure, it looks like maybe someone wearing a burqa. Um, but the reason they're my hater of the week is because this group blew up when someone posted this picture and said a bunch of terrible things. Like members of the group said stuff like, this is terrifying and disgusting. Uh, this looks really scary. It could be terrorists under those burkas. And uh, the old time traditional thing that all racists say, get them out of our country. Of course. Yeah. This is just goofy as shit. Like these people are obviously reactive and stupid and mean and dumb. But to literally just look at a picture of empty bus seats and then project something that freaks you out, it's like the ultimate snowflake bullshit racist move. But what's worse is if you look at the picture, and like you said, we'll post it up on Twitter. If you look at the picture, how did not the second person who saw this go, yo, this is not a good idea. You should take this down. Like, how were they that confused? It was shared a bunch of times and a bunch of people commented and literally no one said, hey, guys. Those are just bus seats. Like, it never even dawned on me. So it's so unbelievably awful that that would be the first thing someone thinks of. Yeah, again, I think that when you're at this level of stupid, it's really easy to project things that freak you out onto otherwise innocent objects. And that's exactly what happened here. So aside from being racist, these people are dumb as shit. And that's why they're my haters of the week. Fuck you, Fatherland first. Fatherland first, more like Fatherland last. Nice work, Jihan. You really go up top for that one. I'm giving you a high five Thanks. from Chicago. That was nice. I appreciate it. I, I might have to retire after that one, but you we'll see. You probably should. I'm pretty sure you'll be losing your stand-up badge anytime now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, well, that is terrible. And I'm going to stay in Europe for my hater of the week this week. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. It's not been a good week over there. Um, Sorry, Europe. No, it's okay. It, you know, this is more of uh, this is a collection that da- the Daily Mail put together. Um, oh that's via, a terrible publication as it well. is it is it was collected that 
it was run by Glassdoor, collected by the Daily Mail, about the workplace jargon that pisses employees off the most. Now, I know you work in, you know, you work, you, you were had your own law firm, you kind of, it's just you. You're not, there's no emails going around where you need to send a lot of communication. I have worked in a lot of settings where a lot of uh, workplace communication comes on and people just come up with phrases uh, that are totally useless. Um, in one of my previous positions, they would always say, instead of saying, we need to think about this, they would always say, we, we need to have a think about it. As if, what? Yeah, as if, one, think is not using a noun that as a noun that way. Uh, it's mm-hmm. have a thought about it or think about it or whatever. But that was just what was said routinely. And I always looked around like, why, why are we all just saying this wrong? But it got, yeah, that you, sounds like something a British grandpa would say. Exactly. And for some reason, it was adopted by lots and lots of people that I worked with. So um, now here is the list of the... Um, most annoying things according to this study now keep in mind this was conducted by uk's glass door so some of them may not make sense however mm-hmm. the, most of them are still infuriating touch base is number one absolutely just say you're going to talk about it or talk about it no reason to go with touch base yeah it sounds like a really weird don't ask don't tell code word yeah uh kind of reminds me and this is not on here but when someone says um we need to talk offline about this when they're on a conference call. Uh, that sounds like a drug deal. Right, but offline doesn't make any sense. We're not online. We're on the phone. <laughs> so yeah, that too. So it really refers to nothing. All right, and then we go to number two. Number two is blue sky thinking. I oh, I never heard that one. I've never even actually heard that one, but I imagine it says here it's creative thinking not grounded in reality, like someone coming up with something re- ridiculous, which I get would be annoying. Yeah, we'll go down quickly here. We got. Wait, so is that the new? Is that the new think outside the box? Uh, yeah, exactly. But it's essentially thinking. There's no chance this would happen. You know, thinking outside the box, you might come up with a good idea, regardless. But I think that this is kind of like way over the top. You know, like someone planning to do a, uh, you know, drop a million rubber ducks from a jet engine or something stupid like that. I don't know why sure. I thought of that. That was a weird example. Anyway, now number three, we're on a journey. Which is like, oh, don't, you know, we're, we're working there. We're getting, doing our best. Uh, game changer, no brainer, a thought shower. That's just creepy. Ooh, that sounds, that sounds like a, yeah, oh, that sounds dirty. Like yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like an R. Kelly cult visit. Run it up the flagpole. Definitely have heard that one. If you don't like it, get off the bus. Uh, okay. What? I don't. I prefer my way or the highway, which is already pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, mission statement, pick it up and run with it. The, the weirdest one 9% of people have heard the phrase punch a puppy. Which is uh, to do something horrible for the greater good. I, no. What? You can't. Punching a puppy is never for the greater good. And how is that for the greater good? Punching a puppy is not helping anyone. That's objectively one of the worst things you can do in the world. Absolutely. It's definitely bottom 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's get our ducks in a row, which I think most people have heard that one. Um, yeah. And this all reminded me of someone sent, sent this around the other day, which was a uh, conference call bingo uh, a conference call bingo card that like whenever you're on a conference call uh, you have to there's like phrases you check off and then obviously who wins who wins and a lot of these things are on there but you've got other things like hi who just joined oh sorry sorry I was having connection issues there's so many things that people just say in a workplace that are so useless and annoying and they don't help at all and so that is why this is my hater of the week I have to I've listened to these things for, actually not as much in my uh, current position but in my old job it happened all the fucking time and so that is why I'm going with this study um, from David Whitby, UK's country manager at Glassdoor. 
uh, as my hater of the week. Which, by the way, also goes into my theory that people make useless studies. This didn't need to yeah. be studied. People know shit infuriates them at work all the time. I think some of these things do make sense in the in the respect that um, you're trying to simplify an idea and get everyone on the same page with like a simple expression instead of a lengthy explanation about something you have to do in the workplace. But for the most part, they've all just become like white noise. You yeah. know, like you hear those things and you're just like, ugh, okay, fuck. Yeah, it's, it's like, like when, uh, it's like office space. It's like when someone uses the phrase like synergy or uh, <clears throat> yeah, or one of my favorites, uh, surprise and delight acti- events or activities. It's like, oh, yes, that? that okay. So that's a that's something that's used for when you want to do like an activity that like you surprise like a kid that's like in the hospital or you surprise or you do something like a good activity that is a surprise, surprise oh, okay. and delight. But it's like it's a really bad general term for anything that could surprise someone like it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't do anything it doesn't describe or help an event you hear it all the time so that is my hater of the week this uh wonderful quote-unquote study coming out from uh the uk so please let us know go on twitter at life gives you the letter you hate thanks chris elder for <laughs> um the opportunity to quote you here uh so let us know who you think had the better hater of the week but in the meantime Jihan, I want you to take us to the world's biggest office, the Oval Office, to uh, hear some of some of their conversations, because I think we need our general Donald Trump update for the week. For sure. And uh, you've been doing a pretty good job posting about some of the crazy shit that's been happening over there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Donald Trump feels obligated to still fire people, even though The Apprentice is over, because like three or four people have been fired in the last couple of weeks. Yep. One of the most notable was his former, now former, chief of staff, Reince Priebus. And Trump came close to being my hater of the week because after Priebus got fired, a bunch of stories came out about his humiliating time as chief of staff. But probably the most ridiculous and hateful thing that Trump ever did to him as chief of staff was he apparently once called Reince Priebus into the Oval Office literally to kill a fly that was flying around in the office and distracting Trump. That is the most bitch thing you could ask someone to do. Man, I bet he like summoned him in and said it was an emergency and Priebus came in thinking like we're about to nuke someone and then his boss tells him to literally kill a fly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, apparently he's been f- forced to literally sprint to the over office to attend meetings he wasn't invited to. He's been called Rincey, which by the way, terrible first name, uh, but Rincey is a way to make fun of him and then all sorts of different you know, thing, it's, it's unbelievable. And I know you made a point of like people getting fired in, in such quick succession. It's it. You could almost have a bar bet that like no one who started with the campaign will be around by the time it ends. No, there's probably single digit folks left from the campaign at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, and half of those are his relatives. Exactly. I would say if you don't include people who are family related to him, how many people are remaining from when it started? Jesus, like four maybe who like bannon bannon kellyanne conway uh stephen miller i don't know jeff sessions i guess i guess but like and half of those people have been rumored to be fired as well so yeah, kellyanne conway barely does anything on. anymore she's not involved Sessions seems to be on some sort of tip where he just investigates weird ass shit i think and maybe you maybe you can correct me on this but there was some study that's saying they're trying to look into why white males are being discriminated against when applying to college uh, yeah, the DOJ or the Department of Justice is trying to look into affirmative action and might even sue colleges that have, by the way, Supreme Court protected rights to have affirmative action programs. 
are now going to come under scrutiny by the Department of Justice. Sure. Because that's what's that's what's pressing in America now. Exactly. That's the big crisis we're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, even if even if somehow college admissions was the biggest issue in the United States right now, which obviously we know it isn't, that mm-hmm. is not even the biggest issue in college admissions in the whole no. co- Like, there's so many other big problems with it, and that's the issue that, that white men are being discriminated against. Big fucking deal. Yeah, I, I don't know. Their priorities are all fucked up, and uh, I think it was Chris Hayes, uh, the journalist, pointed out that... Uh, it seems like the more Donald Trump feels threatened in his presidency, the more he's going to lean into the culture war. And that was before the Department of Justice affirmative action thing. So who knows where we're going to end up in the next few weeks. I know. It's crazy. Eventually, this that, shit's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And we won't dwell on it too much because we don't want to make this a political show. But Although I do want to, I do want to bring up uh, the firing of Anthony Scaramucci, who lasted Mooch! all of 10 days oh in the White God. House. He, he lasted literally a day per letter of his last name. He barely beat Hanukkah in number of days. <laughs> yeah. And you definitely had a couple of good tweets that you posted uh, about him and his firing. But I think my favorite one, because he's he got divorced by his wife literally a few days after taking the job, is uh, someone tweeted, Anthony Scaramucci resigns to spend less time with his family, which was savage. It is savage. And you know, it's funny because... I've had a job that I had for just a month and then I quit after a month and I I get it. But it's like he made such a big deal. There was that huge New Yorker expose about him. God, that was insane. That was insane. He's a communications director. His literal job is to not do that. Like it. Yeah. If if there was like a job description for communications director of the White House, it says do not vindictively call reporters, ask them to break their rights and then threaten to fire them and threaten to do harm to the journalist directly. Like, don't do any of those things. Right. You're literally calling a reporter and saying things that you would never want said to a reporter. And how did he really think that was going to go? Like, right. He, he, in the, according to the article, he says that it says that he called him, said, who le- leaked the story about Rince Priebus? I believe that was the, the that was the story they were talking about. And then the reporter obviously is going to say, I'm not going to tell you who my source is. That's why he wrote sources and not the person's name. Right. From there. Pretty he's like, standard. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to fire everyone because you wouldn't tell me. What the fuck does the reporter care? He make he does not give two shits. Like, it, it it's makes, I imagine when you ask someone a question, you have to be thinking about what their answer is going to be. And it feels like he just never did. And 10 days later, he lost his job. He's, he came off like a drunken psychopath in that interview. Mm-hmm. If you could even call it an interview, it sounds more like a, a threatening tirade. Yes. And uh, speaking of drunken psychopaths, Business Insider. Hoo-hoo. I know. That was a bad, that wasn't a great segue. It was maybe a C plus. But yeah, so we, we're there. We're, we're in the next story now. We're moving on. Whether um, we want to be or not, we're well, there. So Business Insider um, has a weird trend going on that just got picked up a couple days ago about how millennials ruin everything. And I know you're thinking the term millennial, it's, now it's kind of seen as a pejorative. People don't really like being called a millennial because mm. of the negative connotation of it. But according to just Business Insider articles, millennials are killing the beer industry, restaurants like Buffalo Wild Wings and Applebee's, dozens of industries because they're psychologically scarred, uh, the napkin industry, the golf industry, the yeah. car industry, and then some other articles have piled on, like the Boston Globe, will millennials kill home ownership? Millennials could be a big problem for America's most iconic motorcycle brand. Millennials are demanding more flexibility in their jobs. Like, what? 
They're not business insider. Are you trying to get your millennial children to call you? Because this is not the right way to go about it. <laughs> Seriously. Like, I don't, it, it, the whole premise out of these things is millennials habits are changing the way certain industries happen. Like in this millennials are killing the beer industry because they're not drinking as much Budweiser and Miller Lite and Coors. Since when were we obligated to do any of this shit? No. And what doesn't make sense is they're not killing the industry. They're changing it. Just like every generation has changed the industry before them. I mean, it's not like suddenly millennials are like, oh, we're no longer drinking beer. Like, that's not what's happening. And even in the stories, they admit that. And it's not that they're killing chains like Buffalo Wild Wings and Applebee's. Those restaurants have to adjust to what the people want. That's the customer is always right. That's the old saying. If the customer doesn't want to spend $12 on chicken wings, you're going to have to find a way way to make them $8 so people with less money can afford them. That's just how it works. And what's, and you know, there's so many in here. Millennials are ruining the cruise industry. Millennials are ruining focus groups. Millennials are ruining dinner dates. Millennials. And then of course the last article they have in this roundup that I found is uh, millennials are just killing it because they're getting blamed for the blunt of the world's problems. And it's like, yeah. Or America's problems, I suppose. But it's like, yeah, maybe they should just work on killing Business Insider instead of... Seriously. Like, the, these articles are so inflammatory. And that's the reason why so many people hate being called a millennial. Millennial is not an offensive term. It's just someone... It's what? I think it's 18 to 30 or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of... And we're both millennials. It seems like such a negative term now. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of outrageous. And just, I mean, frankly, it just doesn't make sense. And half these articles even acknowledge at some point in the article, okay, technically, yeah, millennials aren't killing this industry. But then why does Business Insider keep doing these, as you said, inflammatory headlines? It's just, it's clickbait. And you know what's funny? Business Insider is helping kill journalism. Like if we really want to... No, it's true. I mean, we were talking about the other day, we were talking about the differences in different types of journalism between online, magazine, and things like that. A magazine yeah. would never have a story about about millennials killing an industry because there's not enough to go off of. You can put together a 300-word slideshow of industries that are being killed by millennials, and it's just inaccurate because you have no basis for it. But, and Ross, don't you realize that millennials are killing the magazine industry? That's actually true. That's a good point. Magazines are fucked. Yeah. All right. But, and you know what? Let's, I'm, gonna, I'm getting a little too frustrated. Let's switch over to another thing that, are, or another thing that has been... Uh, Going down the tubes lately is uh, some some television. Yeah, although I should point out that obviously everyone loves watching TV. That's just a, a normal human thing. But I think you and I are in a unique, smaller demographic that enjoys hate-watching television. Oh, absolutely. I watch a lot of television that I just dreadfully hate. I watch the show Catfish just because oh, the people are so fucking stupid, and it is amazing to follow their story. Some shows are just objectively bad and hard to watch, and sh- and some shows just give you this weird sense of pleasure from how bad they are. Yep, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes recently started following TV shows, too. Maybe not recently. I think it's been in the past four or five years. But compared to their site overall, it's fairly recent. And so according to Rotten Tomatoes, there is a list put together of the 20 worst television shows ever made. So let's... Should we run down the list Why don't quick? we run down the list? Let's start at number 20. So the first show, number 20, is Mulaney on NBC. It's a semi-autobiographical sitcom uh, that the comedian pitched in 2013. And it became a show that I guess it was 
I mean, I, I've heard seen John Mulaney stand up. He's pretty funny. He also does yeah. that Oh Hello show on Broadway with Nick Kroll that's supposed to be hilarious. And yet this show, 17%. That's abysmal. Not great. Did you ever see this show? No, I have not. Have you seen any of the shows on this list? Uh, I scrolled through it real quick, and I, I'm proud to say I have actually not watched a single episode of any one of these shows. Well, I'm very proud of you, because I know for a fact my brother really misses Mulaney, so he's not off to a good start. Oh, that's, uh, that's too bad. Number 19, Iron Fist, a recent release as part of the Marvel's Defenders group. Did it's not do Netflix well. Netflix exclusive. Not, uh, yeah, Netflix exclusive, 17%. Uh, Netflix, by the way, not, a, not so hot on the shows recently. No, and there's actually a couple of Netflix shows that I would argue deserve to be on this list, but I think uh, Iron Fist is the only one that made the cut. Ugh, that's a disaster. And it's funny because I know we were talking about some of their shows that they've put out recently that we've been watching. Very hit or miss. I've been watching Ozark recently, and that's been fantastic. Uh, And on the flip side, Friends from College was regrettably watched. Weirdly bad. Weirdly, right? I love everyone in that show. The entire cast, everything they've done for the most part, I've enjoyed, even their more mediocre stuff. But I don't know what the fuck happened with that show. The writing's god-awful. It's It was abysmal. And it's funny, I was listening to another podcast, and this guy was talking about it. It's like, man, there's a show that I was just watching, and the cast of it is great. You know, you'd expect so much, and then you just, the writing is so terrible. But I bet you it's Friends from College. And lo and behold, it was. So very yeah. exciting. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad other people are on the same page with us Yeah, it's not been great. Um, All right, moving on. Number 18, Ironside. Heard of it? Anything? No. uh, Apparently it's a procedural drama. Looks like a detective show of some kind. Yeah. And it it got canceled almost immediately. It was also a remake of a 60s show, which is which was uh, successful, lasted for eight seasons. Um, but this one barely got a season out before it was canceled. Interesting. Yeah, I had never heard of that. Next show, uh, Truth Be Told, 13%, uh, starring Mark Paul Gosselar and Tone Bell. I don't know who either of those people are, but uh, the fact that it didn't even air the final two episodes of the show's first and only season tells you all you really need to know. Yeah. All right. Next so- up, we got a horror show. Oh, weird. Surprised that even made it on here. Yeah, it's called Damien. Uh, it's a spinoff of the horror franchise The Omen. And uh, it was supposed to be about Damien as an adult who... Uh, this is the stupidest idea if you're doing a spinoff of The Omen. So the adult Damien forgot about his violent and satanic past. What's the what's the point then? There's not a spinoff. It's just unrelated. Yeah, so uh, believe it or not, it got canceled and only scored 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, the next show, I think we all could have immediately realized was going to be bad. It's called Rob, starring America's favorite dummy, Rob Schneider. I don't know how else to describe him. He's probably like America's like seventh favorite dummy, right? Like there's no list Rob Schneider leads. Not even of people named Rob Schneider. Is he the best Rob Schneider? No, I think you're right. He's uh, he's an also ran in every category. And the the funny thing is uh, the description of the show. So it's called Rob and you'd think it'd be semi autobiographical like the Mulaney show. But no, it's just a sitcom where he's an architect with obsessive compulsive disorder who's married to a Mexican-American and he tries to bond with her family. That's the pitch of the show. I mean, they probably should have known when his big successes of Deuce Bigelow, The Hot Chick, and Benchwarmers uh, that this was not going to work out because it's totally out of his range and also he's a terrible actor. No, although it did get uh, it did get better scores on Rotten Tomato than the next show. Friends with Better Lives, which is a great name for a show if you're trying to turn off people like us from watching it ever. 
Right, because it's already telling me it's people that I'm not. Go I'm going to either be jealous of or just generally hate. And when you look at the cast, it's six very attractive people in a show together, and they're all white. So yeah. really good. It's like start. Friends, but less necessary. I guess, and it's like I mean, and it has one of my favorite ladies, Brooklyn Decker, in it, one of my celebrity crushes. But even that, I remember watching an episode of this show and going, I might as well just peel my eyes out, and I did. So it's been nice. a lot harder to read since then. Well, at least you don't have to watch the show ever again. That's true. I mean, you can't. You can't even see it. But oh, Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just sound. But uh, all right, moving on to things that are just useless. Uh, 2011's Alan Gregory, which is another Fox uh, animated TV series kind of trying to follow in the um, uh, Family Seth Guy, Farland. American Dad. Yeah, that, that vein. It was Jonah Hill led the cast uh, voicing Alan Gregory. Um, he also created the show. And yet, for some reason, did not do okay. Because you'd think he's a pretty funny guy. You'd think it would have been okay. And he got a good cast. French Stewart, Nat Faxon, Will Forte. And for some reason, he just couldn't figure it out. And welcome to 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. I guess Jonah Hill's funnier when other people write for him. Uh, that's probably true. Or when he's fluctuating greatly between his weights. Yeah. Shout out to Skinny Jonah Hill. I don't know how... If, is there an actor that has more pictures that are specifically commenting on his weight change than Jonah Hill? Seth Rogen had the record, and then Jonah Hill came out of nowhere. No doubt. I think those two guys might be going back and forth, similar to their weight. Yeah. The next show is actually something that a couple of my friends enjoyed. Really? But it, it scored an abysmal 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's the show Rosewood, starring Morris Chestnut, who you might have seen in American Horror Story, uh, Kick-Ass 2, Boys in the Hood. And it followed Chestnut playing a Miami-based crime pathologist. But the show, despite lasting a couple seasons had terrible reviews, and ended up being canceled this year. Which is so funny because a crime pathologist helping on cases seems like it might work as a fit, and Morris Chestnut has actually not been, you know, people like him as an actor. He's been in some he's, success. He's pretty solid. Yeah, which funny is the a similar show like Castle, which is an author helping law enforcement in ongoing cases, wildly successful. So it's not like there there's, must be something else going on here that really they didn't yeah. figure out. And the other bummer is that it was created by a guy who used to write for Psych, which is a great show that we both love. Yeah, that's true. And uh, they're actually coming back with a movie in uh, holiday time. So I'm super looking forward Hell to Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Come on, son. Uh, <laughs> yep. And so, all right, show 11, uh, Betrayal on ABC. Never uh, heard of it. Never heard of it. We're not even going to spend time on it. It sucked. Moving on. Well, I will say, real, real sad note, it was uh, the... The pilot episode was directed by Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman. Uh, yep. So fortunately, she saved her A-game for that movie and not this show. True. And if you want to talk about more talent being wasted, number 10 on the list, 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hank, about Kelsey Grammer. And he's just essentially a Wall Street businessman who moves his family to Virginia and has to adjust to being a better father and husband. We've all heard that story before. So would everyone else. That's why it's terrible tedious uh the best thing about the show is that apparently kelsey Grammer actually called the network himself to ask for it to be canceled mm. although he did say that on jay leno so hopefully he was joking but maybe he wasn't it seems like a weird thing to joke about right like that seems straightforward yeah all right number nine i hate my teenage daughter a title for a show that would never exist today because it's somehow offensive yeah at least it wasn't my millennial daughter well, it's, I mean, it's fine. The premise is two mothers fear their teenage daughters were growing up to the exact type of girls that bullied them in school in the past. I mean, I don't even know who would relate to this story. Moms, but... Teenage daughters? Or I guess not, because you're the victim of it. Yeah, like, it's a yeah. weird target. 
Um, yeah, and half the show never even got aired. Yeah, they exactly. And then uh, I guess it aired in some other countries, but no one really cared about it. Um, yeah, the next show I was hoping would be good uh, because we both love the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Talking about Dr. Ken starring Ken Jeong. Ooh. But from the previews, it looked like super sitcom-y, laugh track 90s sitcom And that might have explained why the reviews were so bad because it only made... Uh, it only got up to 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Although it did end up going for two seasons. Yeah, I don't even know how that would happen. 44 episodes is a lot for a show that's that bad. So kind of strange overall. Yeah, um, although good for Ken Jeong. He got his. That's true. And speaking of strange, number seven on the list, Work It. 5% oh, on Rotten Tomatoes. And this show is definitely a show that would not get made today. Holy fuck. I read the story about yeah. this. Two men who dress like women to score jobs during a recession since they believe that those of the male gender have been more impacted by the bad economy than those of the female gender. Did Jeff Sessions write this plot? God damn it, you beat me to it. Got him. Oh, man. Yeah, this, I mean, this looks bad and uh, not just like, oh, this is low quality bad. This just looks like horrible and offensive. Yeah, it's it's offensive. It's terrible. The premise is stupid. I, I never, I just don't understand. And the act, there's no like notable actors in it that I know. I mean, maybe do you know any of these people? Uh, I recognize a couple of the faces from the picture in the article, but uh, I mean, even if they did have notable good actors, it wouldn't have mattered because the show only hit a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes and only aired two of its thirteen episodes. And uh, almost in the exact opposite vein, but with the same result, number six on the list is We Are Men from CBS, which I actually remember watching. Good cast, Cal Penn, Jerry O'Connell, yeah. Tony Shalhoub, only aired two of its episodes. Essentially, it's about four men who live in a, uh, like a, I don't know, a short-term living complex, and that's it. Two episodes in, they said, we're done here, and cut it off. That's a really good cast for a show that ended up being that bad. Yeah. All right, well, now we're getting to the top five, and all of these shows have 0%, so you can switch them around however you want, but let's go through them. And our number five of the top five, or I guess bottom five, also has a great cast, but had somehow this 0% score. Dads, starring Seth Green, Giovanni Ribisi, Martin Mull, and that old guy who played the mayor in Ghostbusters. (laughs) That's how he likes to be referred as. Yeah, unfortunately, his name isn't here, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but this show actually made it for 19 episodes, despite having worse reviews than some of the shows that barely put out two. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to the theory, which we've noticed in a couple of these, is uh, showrunners and writers of famous things don't always get TV right. You know, we had the Wonder Woman yeah. example. These are the showrunners that did this show, writing partners on Family Guy, and then went to do Ted and A Million Ways to Die in the West with Seth MacFarlane. This was the project without Seth MacFarlane. Lo and behold, 0%. Sad. Sad. Thank you, Trump. Mm-hmm. All right, number four, Charlie's Angels. Not the original one that obviously everyone remembers fondly. It's the 2011 reboot with Rachel Taylor, Minka Kelly, and Annie Ilonze. Useless as a television show. and e- But unfortunately, they're going to be rebooting the series again as a movie in 2019. Huh. Okay. Yeah, sure. I, I guess. I mean, the, I remember the movie series, the Charlie's Angels with... Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu. Those were actually pretty successful. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting that they're rebooting it with the screenwriters from Narcos. Yeah, is it going to be like a gritty Charlie's Angels? I guess. I don't think anyone wants that. It's Hel- supposed to be a fun thing. Hello, Angels. Shut the fuck up, Bosley. The whole sh- <laughs> yeah. That's the whole show. All right. That actually sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it actually does. We'll just have them do the Batman voice for Bosley the whole time. Yeah. Um, all right. Three, St. George with George Lopez. Uh, terrible. 
You watched it? I remember I remember seeing clips for it and like ads and even just looking at the poster which is Danny Trejo holding up George Lopez dressed as a piñata. Not great. Not great. No, it's too bad cuz I I actually kind of like George Lopez's stand up. Yeah. But uh he doesn't seem to be hitting it much on TV. No, and which is funny because he's starring on a he stars in Lopez right now a sitcom on TV land that's going into its second season. And then okay. he's also, I believe, also getting a show on HBO. I just saw an advertisement before I was watching Ballers huh. the other day. Uh, so he's still wildly successful, but this show was on the bottom of the list. All right. Well, hit or miss, uh, George Lopez is still around. True. All right. Number two uh, is a show called Hunters from, and I don't even, it's a sci-fi crime drama. I don't even know what network this is. Maybe sci-fi? Yeah, sci-fi. I don't, I don't really understand. It's the actor from Snakes on the Plane uh, who had his wife kidnapped by alien hunters and is assigned to deal with this new threat to humankind. Uh, that's, that's pretty vague. Well, it's super vague, especially because of the fact that they haven't really said that it's a threat to human. They just took his wife. Right. And shouldn't people... I mean, like, he obviously has a stake in the game if the aliens kidnapped his wife, but shouldn't the government be dealing with this? Right. And uh, it was so bad that not, they didn't bother canceling it, but they just put it into a midnight release slot, which, who the fuck is watching new TV at midnight? Uh, literally no one in the world. Exactly. All right, Jihan, I want you to do me the honor of reading me number one. Is it because it's a political show? No, it's because, you know, I'm just trying to be fair. I want you to get the honor of being the top dog. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Our number one on the 20 worst reviewed shows on Rotten Tomatoes is... Drumroll, 2017's The Kennedys After Camelot, which is a follow-up to a miniseries called The Kennedys, which aired six years ago, so I don't know what took them so long to get to this, but apparently it doesn't matter. It scored 0% and only had two episodes aired before Reels uh, and the History Channel decided to say fuck it and flush the rest down the toilet. That must be so awful when you work and you like, I'm sure they filmed all the other episodes and they just decide, nah, this is so bad. It's not going to be able to get there. Yeah, I, I guess it just was like, I mean, the, I remember that when the Kennedys came out in 2011, uh, it got really bad reviews and uh, I don't know whose idea it was to make another one, yeah. but it's it's pretty funny that it just bombed so badly that they couldn't even finish it. It's yeah. a mini series. <laughs> exactly. It's not even the <laughs> not- whole fucking thing. Right. It's just bonkers. Like, I don't know who is watching these things or who's in charge of these things, but either way, it just it sounds like a mess. And it just uh, it happens to be the worst reviewed show possibly of all time and certainly of the last couple decades. Yep, I totally agree. And I will say, although I know this is Rotten Tomatoes TV reviews are a little bit more recent. I will say that there's um, a couple shows I want to throw in as honorable mentions. Oh, uh, Lone Star from Fox, which aired in, I believe, 2011, which was a absolute disaster of a show. I remember watching the first two episodes of it and going, this is going to get canceled. And then the next day they announced it was canceled. Um, well done. Yeah. I'm not usually that good about it. And then the other one that I wanted to call out is uh, The Benefactor, Mark Cuban show before he became a Shark Tank celebrity which was him just like helping i think it was just him helping business it's kind of like the prophet on msnbc and one episode canceled wow i haven't heard of either of those shows i guess for good reason well do you have a favorite show that was canceled a uh, favorite show that was canceled like a good show or yeah, like a favorite show that was canceled quickly like those two shows obviously not good shows oh sure um yeah so great show that was canceled in its prime i would say futurama 
and then also by Fox, uh, Firefly, which didn't even make as many seasons as Futurama. Although I think the showrunners and creators of both those programs ended up doing pretty big things afterwards, so they're okay. Yeah, that's true. And also both those, sh- the, that at least Firefly. Firefly is fairly well known. It has kind of like a cult following to it too. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then in the vein of your Lone Star and Mark Cuban show. This actually got really good reviews, which I can't believe, but my roommate and I hate-watched all three seasons, uh, The Leftovers on HBO. Oh, my God. That show sucks. That show did suck. I remember I watched the first season of that, and I was like, I can't do this. I'm literally going to just, I don't, I wish I was taken away from Earth so I couldn't see the rest of The Leftovers. Seriously. It was a, it's hard to watch. It's so fucking pretentious, too. One other great show on HBO that it falls in that same vein, Hung. Do you remember that show? Uh, I actually kind of enjoyed Hung. Really? Nothing yeah. ever Yeah, I mean, happened. it wasn't great. It wasn't great, but it had its, like, own weird, goofy charm. For a show about a male prostitute, there really wasn't much excitement. That's, that is a fair assessment. Yeah. And, uh, his kids were also pretty annoying. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, let's, uh, now that we're done with the list, if you guys have any suggestions for shows, hit us on Twitter. Let us know if you, uh, have any other ones you'd like to roast. We're happy to go back on that. Um, but let's finish up with our good thing of the week. Going back overseas to China, hit me with it. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be quite a palate cleanser after talking about fifty TV shows that sucked as well. No doubt. Yeah, this is a uh, this is I think something that's really long overdue actually as a good thing of the week and as a human invention. So malls in Shanghai have developed the ultimate solution for couples shopping when one of the couple doesn't really want to be shopping at the mall. They devised husband storage pods which are basically cubicles where you can play video games from the 1990s watch tv and just hang out until your significant other is done shopping Um, so the global harbor mall in shanghai currently offers time in these husband storage pods for free but soon users will have to start paying for it now that they're gaining popularity but it's super cool they have retro gaming thing they got atari nintendo uh you name it these husband pods actually started in 2010 uh, when they were called husband cloak rooms, which sounds kind of sketchier. Yeah, seriously. Um, but this is the first effort to actually make it a kind of a broader thing and have a, a whole area of the mall dedicated to it. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's like a rest area with uh, these cubicles. They got TVs, smoking sections. And uh, aside from how like th- these just sound fun, they're also well-reviewed by people using them, saying that it felt really great to play video games that you played in the 90s, and uh, it's like being back in school. Although another guy pointed out that they did not ventilate this area, so he was drenched in sweat after five minutes of hanging out there. Although I think that might be because he was playing video games super intensely. Yeah, I was going to say, and also China not known for its uh, air quality, so I'm not sure uh, ventilating it would make that room much better. You're either sweating or coughing. I mean, I think this is a good idea, right? Like, a number of malls have play areas for kids, things like that. Mm -hmm. Keep them occupied. There are a lot of guys who just go because their wives want them to go. And uh, have to instead of getting, you know, walking around Bloomingdale's for all that time, let them go play Tekken or whatever. Who cares? It's also, like, I know plenty of women who would be down to do these things, too. Yeah, it could. And it's, it's fun for anybody. And I think as of now, these are free activities. So it's like you could just go and just kind of hang out. It'd be a cool place to hang out regardless. And now maybe they charge like, you know, a buck per person. Easy way to make money off something that's pretty low maintenance overall. Yeah, I mean, you don't even need a significant other to come with you. You can just go play video games in the mall. Are you telling me? Great are you idea. T- are you telling me you just bought us tickets to China? 
Uh, Life Gives You Hate, episode 37, will be coming at you from a husband pod in China. Ooh, a live pod from China. I'm sorry, China. So thank you, Donald Trump. We both did it. We both did it this episode. He's he's uh, always present, for better or worse. He's always Mostly worse. Us. Yes, exactly. All right, well... Thank you for listening, everybody. That was our good thing of the week. Uh, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, life gives you the letter you hate. Let us let the people know at home what they should be doing while we're away. Watch plenty of TV, just none of the shows we mentioned. And always remember, hate, hate, hate. Hate, hate, hate. Good night, America.